Okay, it's time to commit. 2024 is the year for prioritizing yourself. Begin your new smile journey with Byte, and you could start seeing results in just two to three weeks. Just order your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95 at Byte.com. Byte clear liners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer financing options, accept eligible insurance, and you could pay with your HSA, FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Hi there, it's Julia Louis-Dreyfus. You may know me from my podcast called Wiser Than Me, where I talk to older women and get their wisdom from the front lines of life. I was amazed by how many people told me our show made them look forward to getting older, which is why I'm here to talk about season two of the show. Sally Field, Billie Jean King, Beverly Johnson, Ina Garten, Bonnie Ray, just to name a few. All hail old women. Wiser Than Me season two is out now from Lemonada Media. Hello, friends, and welcome back to Rotten Tomatoes is Wrong. And a big welcome to our new listeners. I'm Jacqueline Coley. I'm an editor at Rotten Tomatoes, where I cover independent film and awards. And I'm Mark Ellis. I'm a stand-up comic, Rotten Tomatoes correspondent. And unlike two other people I'm familiar with, Jacqueline and I's moms do not have the same name. (laughs) Yes, they do not. In the weirdest, most insane plot twist to ever hit a comic book movie. That's right, kids. We're going to be getting into it today. Batman v Superman, The Dawn of Justice. And I think it's fitting to have a Versus episode as I have, I believe, the host of Versus with me to help it, Mr. Mark Ellis. So I want to just thank him for taking the time. Yeah, you know what? I really blew that intro because I should have said I host Versus on Rotten Tomatoes, but I just went with the typical comic correspondent route and I don't know if it's versus Jacqueline I don't know if it's this show but we've been blessed with great fans that will write us emails very passionate emails sometimes and they say hey you got to do this movie you got to do this movie and today we give thanks to a lot of the fans who wrote about Batman v Superman but in particular Joseph Plunkett hit us up and thank you I'm not sure if your dad or granddad is Jim Plunkett the Super Bowl winning quarterback but either way (laughs) Joseph happy to have you on board thanks for the wreck Yes, and we got it through our email address, rtiswrong at rottentomatoes.com. So please send them in. As of this moment, this is the most requested for episode that we have had. So given the people what they want, the big question is Rotten Tomatoes wrong about the score of Batman v Superman Dawn of Justice. It's got 28% rotten, but 62% fresh audience rating. But... Mark, before we dive deep, for those of us that may have forgotten way back in 2016, uh, what is Batman v Superman all about? All right, so Jacqueline, you remember back when Superman made a movie called Man of Steel and he fought with Zod and then he saved the day at the end and Metropolis was what, what was free of the tyranny of possible alien invasion? Yeah, well, not everybody looked at it like that. And so Batman, who lives across the pond in Gotham City, saw all the damage happening to Metropolis and is like, oh, no, we got to stop this alien. And then some other people sided with him. Some people held up Superman as the hero that we knew him to be. And Batman and Superman, there's only one way to solve this. It's time to duke it out. And when you throw that into the Vitamix, plus the fact that this kid named Lex Luthor is starting to have some ideas about being a controlling little villain. And then we also have this mysterious Diana who's walking around Gotham and Metropolis. You put that all into a Vitamix and you say, oh my God, what's going to come out? an abomination of a movie? Or is it going to be the greatest comic book film in history? Not according to the tomato meter, anyway. (laughs) Man, Mark, if the movie was half as good as your synopsis, I don't think we would be here debating things. Oh, Uh, Jack. I know, I'm getting, I I put that one early, getting it early, uh, because uh, we're definitely going to be talking about this one. I'm just going to start with one little punch, and then I swear I'm going to play fair. Lucy, our producer, has promised me to do so. So, hey, Lucy, how you doing? (laughs) I'm doing well, everyone. It's, I'm excited to hear what y'all have to say. Also, my mom's name is Martha, so this is a very personal movie for me. I'm sorry. Wow. All right. That's the uh, the rare Nebraska Martha. Okay. 
<laughs> I thought they were only in Kansas. Well, you know what? <laughs> I think what Martha, what this movie did to Martha is was Jack Quaylen did to my name when Key and Peele did that. So I feel for all the Marthas <laughs> out there. Um, <laughs> is Martha the mom version of Karen? Do we know that oh, for a fact? Don't do it. Don't do it. I'm not going to do that. I think our guests will be really upset if we keep like, uh, we can't do these zingers. We got to like let the Rodney Dangerfield happen a little bit later because we do have a huge DC fan with us today. I'm talking about Mr. Mike Kalinowski. He's our de- he's our guest today, and he is as knowledgeable a DC fan as you can get. Folks will also have recognized him from Showtime's Black Monday, CW's Jane the Virgin, and so many more. When he's not acting or doing all things DC, you can watch him on the SEN Network YouTube channel on their Mandalorian review show. With that said, and all that funness, let's welcome Mr. Mike Kalinowski. How you doing, Mike? Good morning. Good morning. How's everyone doing? It's doing okay. I mean, you are so talented. It's hard for me to get my mouth around it. Let me just well, say I that. apologize for that. I apologize. <laughs> for that. that is a great line that I'm not going to touch with a 10-foot pole. Oh, my God. Pole. Listen. Listen. Why did you go there? Why well, look, did you go- I, I will say this about Mike is that we all know no, not all heroes wear capes, right? And Mike <laughs> proved that. Not a few weeks ago, Jacqueline, this man who owns multiple Batman costumes, decided on election day, on Tuesday, everybody's in line voting, waiting to cast their ballot. So Mike, who had already voted, put on his, yes, full Captain America suit, got got a bucket of candy, and started (laughs) handing out candy to people voting. And he pretty much kept everybody in line. He kept everybody safe. He defended justice. And that's what he's going to bring to the show today. Oh, my gosh. I am so about this. I... I'm sad that I didn't know that this existed. I would have loved to have seen it. I have been tweeted at by Chris Evans, so we're dating. So this well, is like there you go. Fit, fitting a fitting <laughs> moment. It's absolutely not. We're not dating. But I did tweet about his butt, and he like really like responded. And so, in my personal opinion, Chris Evans flirted with me. <laughs> I'm like a poor man's Chris Evans in my Captain America costume. I can't even compete to being America's ass. No, no, you, you. I'm, I'm sure you did us proud, and and I appreciate you for like venturing outside to the Marvel universe. I'm glad to see that you still have love for them because oh, I know. Yeah. yeah, I'm not one of these guys that does both sides that pits each other against each other. I'm a fan of both. Well, I know you're a fan of this one as well, and I just so you're saying Rotten Tomatoes is clearly wrong. I'm guessing you've got me here for this reason and this reason alone. I'm gonna change minds, change ideas, and everything about this. You're completely wrong. Can I say are you so you guys are Rotten Tomatoes? Is that like you can totally you, representing you can totally make it personal and call it me. <laughs> no, People have done it before, that. and I'm not mad about it. I just no. I, I, I feel it. It feeds me. <laughs> no, I gotta say. I think BBS has the lowest of all the DC films on Rotten Tomatoes. Oh, I think, I think Suicide Squad might be a little bit lower. Really? Like by one point. Don't, producer Lucy, if you want to, but I could be wrong. Okay. Um, but and I that's think- insane to me. It, it, regardless of my feelings on Batman versus Superman, and that's why I'm so happy to have Mike on, is because this is one of those films where my mind is made up for the most part, but I have questions. I have questions, <laughs> and if these questions get answered in a certain way, there's a chance that I come out of this episode feeling different. And Jacqueline, I can tell you this, no person on Earth has seen Batman v Superman Dawn of Justice more than Mike Kalinowski. He studies these. You do not want to get into a trivia battle about this movie with this man. He (laughs) will defeat you. And so I'm actually looking forward to having a conversation about some things that I might have issues with that Mike can shed some light on. Well, I will say this for Mike. Um, You are undecided. Mike is clearly in the Rotten Tomatoes is wrong. I am clearly in the Rotten Tomatoes is right-ish. I actually rewatched <laughs> the Ultimate Edition last night, and although, yes, there is, I have questions as well. I think mine are more pointed than yours, Mark. I have some very, very specific questions. However, I do think the 28% is a bit harsh. And not to undo all of the things that you just said, Mark, about Mike's knowledge, but Lucy has unfortunately proved you wrong because Suicide Squad is 26% rotten on the tomato meter, making it, I believe, lower. Sorry, Mike. But that's okay. I'm knowledgeable about tomato meters. You're knowledgeable about men in capes. (laughs) We can, between the two of us, we've got this. And if we don't got it, the guy we're about to introduce will handle us with the rest. That is Tim Ryan. He's our review curation manager, and he's going to take us back to what the critics and the fans were saying back in 2016 about Batman v Superman, Dawn of Justice. Tim, take it away. 
Thanks, Jacqueline. So Batman v Superman Dawn of Justice. Critics didn't love this one. It's a 28% on the tomato meter with 423 reviews, but it does have a 62% audience score. So let's hear from some of the critics. In a rotten review, Lou Luminick of the New York Post wrote, constantly threatening to collapse from self-seriousness, this epic has way too much of everything, including CGI and Oscar winners up the wazoo. In another rotten review, Christopher Orr of The Atlantic wrote, Batman v Superman is a tiresome, ill-tempered film and one too lazy even to earn its dismal outlook. However, in a fresh review, Kyle Anderson of Nerdist wrote, go in with realistic expectations and you'll probably have a good time. After all, it's still a movie where man gods punch each other. So there were a lot of rotten reviews for this one, and a lot of them were really, really harsh. And even some of the fresh reviews sort of admitted the film had some issues. Uh, that said, it's got a 62% audience score, which means, you know, some people in the audience got their money's worth. And that's Batman v Superman Dawn of Justice. Back to you, Jacqueline. Aw, I love Tim. I don't get to see him anymore. We used to be in the offices and I could like go over there and he would get all animated about this, you know, review Roger Ebert wrote back in 1992. And I can't do that anymore, but I do miss him. And he's, I think he's great. Having a blast. <laughs> I, I, I think he's having a blast. He's in his room. He gets, he's researching. He's got his kid with him. He's just, he's having a great time. <laughs> Patriots trying to turn it around in this season. So Tim's doing just fine. I, I get it. I no, yeah, I definitely think he's doing fine. Uh, Mike, for you though, um, taking yes. it back to 2016, maybe did, was there a scene that like you loved from the first time you saw it, like like literally in the theater in that moment where you just you can't think of anything else other than this is happening. Oh yes, for me, uh, it's the warehouse scene towards the end, the Batman warehouse fight scene. Uh, that movie because they showed a little bit of it in the trailers, and I'd seen a couple scenes, and by this point of the film, it's probably like two and a half hours into the film and we still have not seen that. I'm like, where's this scene? Where's that fight scene he was in? Uh, so when that happened, that to me, and there's, there's things I, I of course don't like about the movie, but for me that epitomized uh, a, a quintessential Batman of what we had not seen in previous films because he's been, you know, so many films before, we still have never seen him be this ultimate fighter that he is and that scene really kind of hammered home of what Batman is as a fighter. You're going to have to take it off Ah, right. Commencing drone mode. Thermal imaging is showing me two dozen hostiles on the third floor. Why don't I drop you off on the second? I love that call. I absolutely love that call because that warehouse scene is basically right after him and Superman have their falling out and then they sort of buddy up and they realize that we do need to form a team if we're going to defeat this monster abomination, but we also have to go save Martha, that being yeah. Clark Kent's mom from the neighbor of Nebraska, Kansas. And so Batman's like, okay, Superman, you go do the really hard thing. And, and start fighting Abomination, get warmed <laughs> up, get loose on that. And then I'm going to go save your mom for you. And the way that Batman storms in there, and we know Batman as kids not killing people and trying to administer justice and tying them up. Some folks died that night in that yeah. warehouse and not a <laughs> yeah. few because Batman comes in there and is just this storming marauder devil presence. And again, this is the first time that we've seen Ben Affleck as Batman. And he had a nice workout montage earlier in the movie. We saw some superhero <laughs> stuff, but this is there where was lots of shirtless moments. They yeah. were giving yeah. it for the ladies. Let's Th keep this it is real. the first time that in this movie that you're watching this and you say, my God, Michael Keaton, Christian Bale, Adam West, Look out, there's a new guy that is contending for the ultimate cape and cow because that scene is so badass. I, I will just add this to that one because although I am not the biggest fan of the DC live actions as a whole, the one things I will say about DC that I adore is all of their animated features as well as all of their video games, particularly Arkham Asylum. And when I saw that scene, I was like, oh, they just did the like Arkham Batman. And like, that's why this is amazing. And every inch of the stuff that I think was ripped from either that DC um, comic series or some of the stuff that they were able to do because for folks that don't know and I'm just going to take a little gamer detour and just nerd out a bit that Arkham game was like groundbreaking with the fight style that they were able to do in that and really show Batman like punching and it was very like it felt like lifelike fights and I really think that that like they could lie and say it wasn't but I feel like those two were like kind of destined to be Mike am I wrong 
No, you're 100. I mean, I'm I'm with you, Jacqueline. The Arkham games are like that's the superhero gold standard to me. Yeah. Uh, those games, and they really did. Uh, to not to go too geeky, but let's do it. Um, <laughs> like, because for me, like in the comics, there was I remember there's one issue where he's ta- he's training Robin, and then one of their first nights out, and one of his first rules with Robin was there's this warehouse full of guys. He's like, before you go into a, a scenario like this, you unarm everyone that you can unarm. Yeah. So Batman taking out all of the guns before he even went into yep. the room to me is like that's Batman. He yeah. he plans. There's 20, 30 guys in there, and how's he gonna do this with all machine guns? He takes out the weapons first of all, and then he drops in. Well, I love that we all could have a love fest on that one particular yeah. scene before I begin to rip into it. But Mark, <laughs> um, you're you're again you're 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 straddling things right now. So so what was the scene for you? What what gave you the ooh ah sensation? Yeah, besides that warehouse scene where, like Mike said, you, you get in there, you disarm all the guns first. I feel like John C. Riley and Step Brothers, where I say, I would have done the same exact thing. Now, if I go back a little bit further in this movie, one of the scenes in rewatching it that really stuck out to me is something that I remember liking during my initial screening and still to this day I think holds up brilliantly is that interaction between Bruce and Diana, who we are going to come to find out is Wonder Woman. And they're trying to steal the same thing. And they're both sneaking around and they have that cat burglar vibe. And there's nothing a cat burglar can sniff out quicker than a fellow cat burglar. And so Mm. they realize they're going after the same thing and they just feeling each other out. And they're just kind of eyeing and talking and flirting and out toughing one another. And what that leads us into is this really cool relationship where they realize, hey, I don't know you that well, you don't know me that well, but there's darker forces out there that we're probably going to have to team up at some point. This is what heroes do. They realize that even though they're used to being on their own and they're used to independent crime fighting, they know that there might be a worse enemy that lurks out there, and so we're going to have to team up at some point. I believe Mr. Luther is a photograph that belongs to me. Did you get it? As it happens, no, I didn't. The data you copied is military-grade encryption. You know, I bet with that dress, nine out of ten men will let you get away with anything. But you're the ten. Mm, I'm guessing I'm the first. I see through that babe in the woods, I... You don't know me. But I've known a few women like you. Oh, I don't think you've ever known a woman like me. And that leads us into another one of my favorite scenes, which is the quick introduction of all the other members of the Justice League that we just get teased with. And that mm. was one of the the real exciting things about this movie is regardless of how I felt about the finished product and the narrative that we got, is that walking out of that theater, you say, oh boy, do we have potential. Because not only are Bruce and Diana awesome together, I didn't laugh when Aquaman showed up. I actually thought (laughs) Aquaman went from being the nerd superhero to the guy that I want to get in the gym so I can cosplay as at next Comic-Con. It was awesome. I'm glad we know it when we your plans for the next in-person Comic-Con, Mark. I think folks should be <laughs> I'm, on I'm glad that I got this year off to give me... I, I needed another 365 days to get those those abs and pecs in order. <laughs> you have the time. Look, look at Kumail Nanjiani. It can be done. <laughs> <laughs> the gold standard for love. all comedians working out right now. Is that you get that Kumail look. Y'all are suspect now <laughs> if you can't get like ripped like that. Like he's, he's proved y'all wrong. <laughs> Um, I I think what I think about it, and it's great that you guys mentioned the scenes you did because those were all definitely ones um, that I personally enjoyed. And it was actually interesting watching it last night, the Ultimate Edition. I remembered something I loved from the very first time I saw it, and that was Jeremy Irons as Alfred. Like, I was actually very disappointed to know that they were recasting Alfred for this new Robert Pattinson version. I felt like that was the best Alfred casting ever because like, yes, I loved Michael Caine, but he speaks with a Cockney accent. Like you need a little poshness for Alfred for that to work, no offense. He was great, but like, it just doesn't fit with the character. And what I thought was really cool was just watching their interaction. And the scene that I'm is specific is very early on when um, they're sort of looking at the newspaper headlines and they're saying, you know, Alfred's like, the world is changing. And he's really setting the stage for the crux of the film, which is that, 
the gods have come down to earth and people hold lightning bolts in their hand. And as Alfred sort of breaks it down for Bruce, who's still thinking he can play the same, you know, I am dark, I am the night vengeance stuff, which is not going to work. People are flying through the sky. And I loved how he sort of laid that out for him plainly. And their dynamic is really interesting, both with just how he makes fun of her about Diana, both in this film and the later film. I just really loved all of the stuff that they did together. And yeah, I was like more Alfred. This is sad. Why did we have to do this to him? And I, that was the most likable uh, that uh, Ben Affleck was, this sort of like Bruce Wayne, which I thought was really good. You're gonna go to war. That son of a bitch brought the war to us two years ago. Jesus, Alfred, count the dead. Thousands of people. What's next? Millions. He has the power to wipe out the entire human race. And if we believe there's even a 1% chance that he is our enemy, we have to take it as an absolute certainty. And we have to destroy him. But he is not our enemy. Not today. 20 years in Gotham, Alfred. We've seen what promises are worth. How many good guys are left? How many stayed that way? That's one of the things when you understand why they didn't want to do a full movie about Batman's backstory again because we've seen it so much. But when you get an Alfred that good and you get a Bruce slash Bats that good, you do kind of want to go back and say, I want to get to know these two a little bit more before we got thrown into this. But for all this movie was trying to accomplish, Mike, I really feel like it did a service to getting that much storytelling complete in a very finite amount of time, even though the ultimate edition is going to run you about three hours, it's still like we got to see, we, we got to know Batman. If you had no idea who Batman was, you still get a pretty good picture painted of who this fellow is, where he came from, and why he might feel so much animosity, be it ego driven or be it all that crap in the Bible is wrong because these gods are now coming to Earth and right. they don't look like the ones <laughs> that we read about in Mark or Luke. So there's a lot going on with that character. And I think Ben Affleck did a great job. And Jeremy Irons, too. Yeah. I mean, let's just go ahead and get bu biblical with it, Mark. Let's do it. <laughs> I used to do a bit. I, I used to do a bit in, in stand-up about that, how around this time this movie was coming out, how I, I felt so bad for Batman, Be not only because he couldn't get a standalone movie anymore, but also because <laughs> he was the guy. He was the man on the block. And now all of a sudden, you got a guy who's a god who can talk to fish. You got a guy who's tech in Cyborg is better than you. You got, you got Wonder Woman, who's another god who is stronger than you. And you got an alien that people are in love with. And so all mm -hmm. of a sudden, you went from being the man to being the guy off the bench. And it's a tough, it, it's a tough fall for an ego. It's a tough tumble to take. Yeah, it well, <laughs> it's one of many tumbles <laughs> that the film sort of takes, I will say. Um, Mike, I, I know you love it. But I think I you admit it has some warts. So if you had some yeah. to, to call some out, what, what would you say are Ooh, some scenes and um, moments? I would say if we're going to go warts, this one kind of stands out is the thing. It, it's there. You can't get rid of it. Uh, it is the Jesse Eisenberg Lex Luthor. Mm. Um, now, I, I will say this. I'm When it comes to casting of films, I'm never, I always try and give the benefit of the doubt. I always try and... Um, I don't want to bash when a cast or an actor or an actress is announced because you never know what they're going to do with the role. They were chosen for a reason. Um, and so when of all the casting in this film, I was behind everything. I was a big supporter of Affleck from the beginning. Um, I know there was some kind of dissension with him, but I, I always liked Affleck. I, I like him as Daredevil back in the day. Um, but when, when, when um, Eisenberg was cast, that was the first one. I was kind of like, oh, hmm. Hmm. okay. I kind of think what they're going to do with it going more of a, a Mark Zuckerberg, kind of this this tech genius type thing. Uh, I'm not with you. I actually like that character because okay. of how stupid it is. Not because it fits <laughs> in the movie in any way, shape, or form, or is cohesive, but Jesse is having a good time. It's sort of like Tom Hardy and Venom. I know you're not in the same movie as everybody else, but I love what you're doing. I want to go where you are. Take me where you are, and let's go have a party. Boys! Mm. Bruce Wayne meets Clark Kent. Ah, I love it. I love bringing people together. How are we? Thanks. Hello. Good. 
Hi, hello, Lex, it is a pleasure. Ow, wow, that is a good grip. You should not pick a fight with this person. I've I've lobbed that criticism at films before where there's one person who's in a totally different movie. I'm going to go John Cena in Bumblebee, right? John Cena is in, John Cena thinks he's in Transformers Dark of the Moon when everybody else is like, hey, we're kind of trying to make this thing a little more serious. And this movie did not give me that vibe. As a matter of fact, I liked Jesse Eisenberg in this as Lex Luthor way more than I remember liking. And okay. it, I bought okay. into it. And I don't know why Mike, in his villain genius, has been able to now cast Jacqueline and I as defenders of the film. And now Mike <laughs> I mean, is going to say what he doesn't like about It's all part of my diabolical I mean, plot. Well, let me, all let, me, motion. <laughs> let me fix that right now, because Lord have mercy, did I have some problems with this movie. First of all... The fact that the only way we get a coherent movie is in the three-hour cut. Somebody, like, Zack Snyder needs an editor, and I think it needs to be a woman, and I'm not trying to say anything <laughs> else, but every brilliant movie we have ever seen was shot by a man and cut by a woman because women can be judicious. <laughs> I'm not kidding. Sally Minkin, Quentin Tarantino, Martin Scorsese's early films were cut by a woman. Thelma, like, y'all, trust. It is the facts. It was shot by a man and it was cut by a woman. Moonlight. Shot by a man, cut by a woman. Sorry, that's but very interesting. That's a this. hot. That's a hot take because every time a woman ex explains <laughs> to me what she had a dream about the night before, I feel like I have to edit her. <laughs> but she's editing your BS. This is the difference because men. No offense, not to be like Pat Oswalt did this bit. I am totally stealing it from him. But he's like, men, we are just like spray the world, shoot everything because I am a man and I have guns and and a woman can be practical. She can say, we don't need this. I know you enjoyed spraying your camera all over it, but we need to do we need to do that more. That does sound a little like Zack Snyder. It does that, yeah. Me personally, I think that. Everything they did with Doomsday, like it was a caricature of what that villain was going to be. I don't care what anyone says about that. Lois Lane, what what was her purpose? Y'all should have just deleted her out of this movie. I know there was rumors about the fact that she wasn't available as much time as they would have liked her for, and that's why her scenes got cut short. But like everything with Lois, I was like, why? Why is she in Africa? What is going on? Like I was just like, what is going on with this woman? Why she's so superfluous to this film? Um, and so I had a huge problem with that. And then just the overall pacing. Like, this man does not get in a hurry to get anywhere, anywhere, <laughs> except for maybe to bring out the next movie. So I had a huge problem with that. But I think the biggest problem that a lot of people had with this movie is the one that Mark has with this movie. And, it, you know, we teased it earlier, but we are here. to. It's, it's time for the Martha conversation. Mark, are you ready? I'm prepared. I've been prepared for this for a long time. And this is one of those arguments where I go into it sort of hoping to lose because I want someone to convince me how this scene, which really is the crux of the movie, you have to buy into this if you're going to buy the rest of the film. Now, as a viewer, I can step back and say, okay, I really want to see Batman and Superman fight, but it'd also be cool to see them team up and then have Wonder Woman there and have them all be a squad together and go after a worse enemy. So I like that. But this guy, Batman, has is dead set, and he gives that great speech to Alfred. If there's even a 1% chance... We have to take it as an absolute certainty, and he makes these cool weapons out of kryptonite, and he's got this Kryptonian spear, and he's beating the crap out of Superman. It's an awesome fight. It is epic, and they're crashing through walls and floors and ceilings, and eventually Batman gets Superman down, and Superman is weakened by the kryptonite uh, fart grenade that Bruce made, and now it's time. It is time to hit the clutch shot. It is time for Bruce Wayne to turn into Ray Allen and break some hearts because he's got that spear and he rams it in and he's about to do the deed. He's about to end Superman's life. And then Superman says, save Martha. And Batman hears that. And conveniently, his mom's name was also Martha, who died tragically. And he says, why did you say that name? He has to know this. And Mike... I cannot rectify in my head that this guy has been training for this one singular mission for this long and hears his mommy's name and suddenly is like, maybe I got to give this alien guy a chance after all. 
how does that sit with you in the movie? Is that is, is it a quality of the movie to you? Is, is it something that you're like, oh, okay, it's not great, but we get, it's a hurdle to get over and it's worth getting over? How does it hit Mike Kalinowski? That film, that moment still resonates with me and I love it. Uh, now, let me preface this by saying, I think from a writer's standpoint, and I'm not a writer, I think there might have been a better way to address the actual wording of it with Martha, like save Martha Kent. I get that he has to say Martha, but for me, and, and, and all the talk about Batman killing and this and that in this film, this is, and, and let me preface this by saying people say Batman doesn't kill. Batman absolutely does kill. He's killed in the comics. He's worn a gun at one point. And people that say, well, that was adapted and that was changed. That's okay. Batman changes and it's different for everybody. For you to say, it's not my Batman, that would be what I think is better. Because Batman kills and we've set up this as Batman after 20 years. This is a Batman that has lost Robins. You know, he has a great speech with Alfred about how many good guys are left. You know, we know that uh, there's a Robins gone. We don't know if it's Jason Todd or Dick Grayson. We know he's lost people that are close to him. Uh, we know he's got a history, and we do see him killing. This is a man that's lost his way. He's not who he was anymore. And in that moment, there is this this man who is giving his life up, an alien who's not even of our world, that would give his life up for this these people of this world. And in that moment, Bruce becomes human again. Here's an alien teaching him humanity. That don't worry about me, save Martha. And it's it is the moment, and I know it's weird that you know he can't say save Martha Kent because then that's defeats the purpose. I, I think there could have been something with the editing and the way he gargles the word Martha and then he says Kent that could have tweaked it a little bit better and I do see why people have a problem with it's just the name Martha but for me, here's an alien bringing Bruce's humanity back to him and that forms the bond and we all talk about Superman and Batman are these, these two, their friendship is built, you know, we don't get that friendship built over 20 years. This was the start of their friendship um, but that solidifies it and here he is looking and, and you know, I might have been, you know, you could have done flashbacks through Bruce's head. You're having that moment flash before your eyes of his whole life of, oh, my God, what have I done? Who have I become? You know, Bruce Wayne used to be this man who never would take a life and vowed to never take a life. And here he was just taking this life with no impunctions. And to have to be brought back to that, this guy's dying here in front of him. And there's the woman he loves in front of him going, no, this is his name. This is Martha. This is his mother's name. I do get why people make the jokes about it. I don't feel that. I think it's such a powerful moment. And we needed Bruce Wayne mowing people down with machine guns and to see what he's become. He's this, this, you know, Alfred doesn't recognize him anymore. And he doesn't, you know, Alfred can't talk sense to him anymore. Alfred was always the, the Jiminy Cricket on his shoulder. That doesn't work anymore. He's so far gone. Yeah, the tension with Alfred is interesting that you bring that up. Because I, Jacqueline, I can buy everything about that scene. But it, it would I would have to take away... One of my other favorite scenes in the film is the first time we see Bruce in this movie where he's flying into Metropolis and everybody else is running away and Bruce runs into the smoke and it's such a this is a superhero moment and he's doing it because he saw this alien. And again, he, I'm not saying Superman was bad, but I'm saying that from Bruce's perspective, there's no other way to look at it. This guy it wrecked his building and decimated his staff, you know, and there's uh, like a real human cost. But yeah. it's, and, it's really and, interesting. And, and so uh, yeah, he hears Martha, and, and, and it doesn't matter if he says Martha Kent because he doesn't necessarily know who that is either. It's just that he's he's got this guy who killed all these people who who shortened Bruce Wayne's Christmas card list severely, <laughs> and he just hears a name. And so I, Mike has gotten me into the red zone with this, but I just I, I don't think that that I can I can buy it. And, and what illuminates it for me is immediately after he's about to kill this guy then th they very quickly team up and and he's like go ahead i'll go save martha and it's like i, I thought the ultimate edition would give us a little bit more i don't know explanation as to how they got to that mental headspace but again it's a movie and i will say the final fight scene was worth me getting over because i do enjoy them all battling doomsday <sighs> The comfort of your favorite seat is now your comfy car-selling command center, thanks to Carvana. It doesn't get any better than this. Your favorite seat's the best spot in the house. Make it even better by entering your license plate or VIN and getting a real offer in minutes. There really is no place like home. And speaking of home, Carvana will pick up your car from yours after you finalize your offer. Visit Carvana.com or download the app and sell your car from your comfy place. 
Delve into the shadows of the mind with Sleeping Dogs, a gripping murder mystery starring Academy Award winner Russell Crowe. Now available on digital. Crowe portrays an ex-homicide detective unraveling a brutal murder he can't recall. Uncovering secrets from his past, he learns a chilling truth. It's best to let sleeping dogs lie. Visit sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery to watch Sleeping Dogs, now on digital. That's sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery. I, I will just say that um, as a writer, I want to just say this. It's bad. It's bad writing. It's just bad writing. It's a good idea that is executed poorly. It's like you can hear the pitch. It's like, and then we make a big reveal that both of their mothers are in Martha and then like all of the beautiful things that Mike said are in that moment. But it was written stupidly because there's a 50 50 chance when you play it the way that they played it, that people are going to laugh. And I remember people laughing in that moment like it's supposed to be this huge like oh this and people laughed because it was just like what are you serious you're letting him kill martha what does that mean why did you say that name find him save Martha! Why did you say that name? Martha, why did you say that name? Uh, stop! Please, stop! Why did you say that name? It's his mother's name. Was it telegraphed? Mike, for you, was it was that scene telegraphed early on when, when we do hear, because I don't ever remember knowing that Batman's mom's name was Martha. When we find out that her name is Martha early on, did you know where we're going with that? No, and I like Jack. I'm glad you said that. I'm glad being a writer because, like, I, 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 I'm not a writer, so I don't see. But I definitely see that. I know the moment, and I know what they tried to do, and it was the wording and the way in the script. Um, I don't have an answer for what could have fixed it, but I don't know if because I give it a pass because of the comics that I'm just so used to. Not stuff like this coming, but I didn't see it coming, Mark. To answer your question. Um, I, 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 I definitely see them. I saw the intent behind it and everything by that. So the actual wording, and I don't know if it's, it was Cavill's performance and the way he's being choked with the boot on his neck that could have changed a little bit, uh, you know. Yeah, there was. I don't know. I don't there know. There was a way to do it differently that was more clever that that got the the moment that you wanted. That I will admit, fifty percent of the people in the audience felt the way that you felt. I would just say that the way they set it up, you also are risking the other side, and that's right. why it's sure. something that's still debated. But you're not alone, Mark. That's why you get a, the memes about it to this day. Yeah, Mark Hoffmeyer, <laughs> our researcher, gave us this great article from um, Mike Looker, where he, you know, says maybe the moment is brilliant. Um, Mike, I think Zack Snyder will tell you the check is in the mail, but I'm glad that he put out <laughs> such a cogent uh, theory as to why it's great. Uh, it, it's interesting to me talking about like the edited version versus the theatrical version. And this idea that like Zack Snyder seems to be best when he's a bit reined in as he was in some of his earlier films and as his success grew and you can't really tell somebody who's made as much money as he did for Warner brothers that he's not going to get final cut. But looking at the three hour cut of this and then knowing, you know, industry wise that he turned in a four hour cut of justice league, that was then changed so that we got what we ended up getting with Josh Wheaton, who literally like rewrote half of it. So there's just like a lot that you wonder, is this what we're going to get with the with uh, the Zack Snyder Justice League cut going to have some of that? And there's going to be this huge conversation in the DC fandom. Maybe they like three hour movies. Maybe they like having these like epic, you know, long stories of these characters because they love them so much. I am not as much about it and it's you could count me on that team though I, I would be on that team because if you it, give me on a marquee batman and superman are fighting uh it, give me a nine hour cut i i, I want to watch that <laughs> all day and so jacqueline in the same way that half your theater was emotionally moved by the martha scene and half the theater chuckled i feel the same way about Zack Snyder's filmmaking. I think that there's people out there like you who mm. say, this guy needs to be edited and this movie didn't need to be more than 90 minutes. And then there's other people who say, no, you have to wait until the ultimate edition to see Zack Snyder's true vision. And for this movie, I would side with the ultimate edition. 
I, you, you don't get to see these movies. It's not like I'm a kid going to a comic book store, and if I don't like this comic, or if it wasn't fulfilling, I just wait until next Wednesday when there's a bunch of new comics in my box. This was the movie. And we're not going to see Batman and Superman fight for a long time. So I say, blow it out. Give us all the action scenes. Give us all the weird uh, nightmare Batman sequences that we're not really sure how they make sense. But it's awesome to watch. And so I do appreciate the Ultimate Edition more than the theatrical cut because there was actual content in there that I cared about. Yeah, I mean, basically, the the differences, the theatrical cut was something like, what, two, 220, 215, somewhere in there. And then the uh, Ultimate Edition gives us another about 40 some odd minutes, uh, a lot more story. It gives Lois more to do. A lot of the things that were cut were her stuff. You spend a lot more time with Clark um, grappling with the reality of his uh, actions in Man of Steel. So there's a lot more in the Ultimate Edition and some of my favorite portions, more time inside bathtubs with uh, Lois <laughs> Lois in the bathtub, which again, just solidifies like that woman had nothing to do but bathe. Um, it's a beautiful <laughs> scene though. It's a good talk. It's a good scene. It's a very I, I good think scene. I would point that if couples are struggling out there, I would say go watch the bathtub scene in the Ultimate Edition <laughs> yes. and see what you can forge. Mike, I, there was a scene that I was watching and I, again, I'm not sure if it was in the theatrical cut, but it's right after Bruce is having the, the Batman nightmare scenario and then Flash shows up. It, from from the uh, f- some sort of flashpoint magic was that in the original cut or is that ultimate edition stuff? Yeah, that was in the original too. Yeah, um, you know, was and, I peeing? And so, where was I? That I don't remember, awesome. and I don't know why they didn't put out the ultimate cut. Like, because nobody's I, gonna buy a ticket for a three-hour movie. <laughs> a lot <laughs> of them would have bought y'all. a ticket for that. Like, wait, I disagree on like, that. Like, wait one. a minute. Let me just would. before you say that, and like, I appreciate that you have an agent at work in this, but I'm gonna tell you about box office numbers. The more minutes you are over 220, you are literally knocking millions of dollars off of your box office potential. I, so, I no. debate that all the time with with on the shows that I'm on where I, I do understand is like you've got to get a film under so and so because they got to show x amount in a theater every single day I get that and I forgot which film we were talking I think we were talking about Endgame with some people about like and I was like no they've earned a three and a half hour film but then but again that was it's going to be the biggest film of all it. time and some theaters were only Endgame for that entire weekend because it was so much because you're cutting down in the time that the theaters again yeah we get no it, but, but you you make a great point because a lot of people just not that they're just unaware of it, of the, how the industry works and you have to hit certain numbers per day. Um, so, and it wasn't like a, a, a the, the film bombed and then his next film, okay, just like we got to recut this down to two hours. No. This was the, you know, they're coming off Man of Steel, which was like 650 at the box office. It yeah. was a good hit for them. So they probably, I don't see why they were like, but they probably were like, this is going to be a big one for us. We got to see as many times as we can. Get it yeah. to two and a half hours. And it wasn't just Batman and Superman, kids. You, you, you get to see Wonder Woman. You get, you right. get a new... They were cramming a lot here. in this one. They were, they were trying to get a lot done. And, and it's really funny. Yesterday, Army Hammer uh, put up a picture of the original Justice League that was actually set forth by Warner Brothers with, um, oh, I believe, George Miller. George Miller directing. And it was Army Hammer's Batman... Um, it had uh, DJ Catrona as Superman. Yes, DJ Catrona as Superman. Uh, what's his name? Adam Brody was the Flash. Megan like, Gale was Wonder Woman. Yes, and it was that was going to be the Justice League, and they were going to start off the way that they sort of started off. And what's really interesting is when you go back and look at the history of Warner Brothers, they have this IP which is extremely valuable, and, and they've they always saw, had it, and they've always had it, and they saw what Marvel was doing, but they were extremely impatient. They, they saw what Marvel was doing and they didn't realize that, first of all, let's remember the first Captain America movie, that was at Paramount. That was not all under this Disney banner. It came together and coalesced in a lot of like separate pieces, but they started with standalones. And Marvel kind of got over the fact that like the first Hulk was at Universal, the first uh, Captain America was at Paramount. So they weren't playing with all Disney money until they're getting close to the Avengers. And so in WB's mind they're like start with the Justice League and move forward and I think it just really kind of shows that they don't I just don't think they know the the, the long game and I don't think they just want to invest in the long game at this point I don't know Mike what, what do you No, what, I, I it's funny because I, I I was talking to Lucy about this it's like they were doomed to fail what's the, the saying you know doomed damned if they do damned if they don't like yeah if they would have done what Marvel did done a Batman film a one one film building to a Justice League everyone's like oh the cop bring the MCU blah 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 
And then they didn't do that. And everyone's like, well, why don't they just do what the MCU did? I remember at the end of BVS, one of the guys I was with, he's like, what? No, no post credit scene. That's what a wasted opportunity is like. That's Marvel's thing. They're not yeah. setting up the next film. But he was so trained and Marvel has done such a good job of training audiences to expect this build shared universe, these post credits, the build and this character comes in from this when you don't get that. And, and I was thinking like if this film came out either, I'd say pre Iron Man or yeah. let's say maybe five years from now, I think it would be much better received because Snyder had a thing, you know, his Man of Steel was his own thing. From there, they're like, hey, what, how can you build the DC universe off of your Man of Steel? Uh, and he said, okay. And he came up with a five film plan that was his version of the film. It wasn't direct from the comics. It wasn't like, hey, we're taking storylines and the character's going to look like they were in the comics. I'm doing my own thing. And it just was not right for audiences. And it, you know, love it or hate it, that it came out right around Civil War, which was kind of this watershed moment for the MCU, which was so damn good and reducing Spider-Man. And they just hit all the right buttons. And and for a lot of people, the BVS did not hit those buttons at the same time. It's a poor timing, poor timing on this film, I think. It's also that Civil War sort of did the same thing Batman vs. Superman did, where you took iconic characters that had not had their standalone movie to that point in the MCU with Black Panther, with Spider-Man, and they put them in there and they gave them enough action for us to be like, I need to go see that movie and that movie. And that's the genius to me behind Batman v Superman. That's why I'll defend that. And as Jacqueline knows, I'll also defend Justice League is because I think that if you had done a standalone movie of Aquaman or The Flash or Cyborg, possibly even Wonder Woman, before we saw them in action at all, those movies aren't doing that well. Wonder Woman, I think, would draw at the box office, but not like it did because we got to see Diana kick so much ass for the last third of Batman versus Superman. And so I, I don't mean, I, I think Aquaman though. was a joke. Aquaman was a joke that he was a he was a standalone movie in entourage only. And you had to see <laughs> Aquaman before you, you had to get a little bit of proof before you buy the pudding. And I think that's what Batman versus Superman. I kicked disagree off. about that. And I am not a DC fan. But if you would have given me an Aquaman movie, a flash movie, a Wonder Woman movie, and a Batman movie, which is more akin to what the MCU did because they did Hulk, they did Captain America, they did Thor, and they did Iron Man, then you're fine. You're right. Trying to pull in Cyborg, look, we know when T'Challa showed up. Like, let's keep it real. We know when these characters show up, okay? They still didn't. We just now, maybe in 2021, going to get a Black Widow movie. We know how this works. But it, it could have happened. They just needed to be patient. And I... I just think they're looking at the billions that Marvel is making and they're like, look, we have these things. We need to get it going. And and that's just what they did. Look, I think it could have been done better. And you can fight me if you want, but we the Snyder Cut is coming. So maybe I'll be proven wrong. I, I think also the one thing that DC did not have was a, a Feige, uh, uh, you know, a shepherd to do this. I mean, this guy has been with the Marvel Universe. I remember watching some DVDs of like X-Men and Fantastic Four and he's in the background at these big production meetings, just taking notes. He was a mm -hmm. part of it from the beginning and then to take, you know, what they did. And I think there was a change after Justice League and everything, you know, that's going to be a story for another time to find out what all happened and how oh, that changed. Oh, the oral with, history of the Justice oh, League? I cannot wait. And Sujahara, when he was finally gone and, and they brought in Walter Hamada, who really kind of seemed to have a love of this and is now letting filmmakers do the films without going, hey, you know. And I'll say this, Wonder Woman, probably my favorite of the DCU. I love that film, but I think when that film was going on, because it was right around Suicide Squad and BBS, but they didn't touch it. They didn't try and mess with it. And I'm going to say this. I think the heads at Warner Brothers like, you know what? It's a female starring film with the female director. They weren't worrying about it because yeah. to this day, films led by female directors with female superheroes didn't do well. So I think the male mentality of the studio, luckily they thought like that because they left it alone and it's, the gold standard of DCU, Patty Jenkins, what she did with that film, that's what it needs to do. So I think it was a happy accident. They, they didn't touch it, try and manipulate the film at all. They were too focused on Suicide Squad, and we saw what we got with that. You know, I mean, let's debacle. be honest. The only thing that they, they, they ruined Harley Quinn because of marketing. That movie's great. That movie is really fun, really great. And the, just because they called it Birds of Prey and didn't want to just be like, Harley Quinn. Oh, how that movie didn't do 
banana box office, I have no idea. Because they called it Birds of Prey and You're people right. didn't know what it yeah. was. Like, they didn't I'm actually sorry. call it Birds of Prey. They called it Birds of Prey and then like 13 The other. Emancipation of so Harley good. Quinn. Like, but the only thing that's showing up on the marquee is Birds of Prey, right. which is why halfway through the run of the movie, they switched it. Yeah, you're right. You're 100% right. And that was a <laughs> was, terrible it, decision. If I, mean, I can, if I can go back, though, in time, I, I don't... It, just as a fan, I don't want anything to replace the excitement of when I was at Comic-Con and they made the announcement that the next movie in the DCU was going to be Batman v Superman. Even mm. knowing that they might be force-feeding us a little bit, they might be walking into a trap or biting off more than they can chew, it, it felt a lot like the start of a new football season for me. Where Do I think Washington <laughs> in my head is going to win the Super Bowl? Probably not. Or even get to the playoffs, but it, nothing can dampen the enthusiasm. And that Comic Con, it was actually during the the very short period of time when Schmoes no, we, we started a website. We were breaking news, and we were one of the first ones to get that scoop up there. And our site crashed because we didn't have the bandwidth for all this traffic. <laughs> and, and so uh, Christian Harloff and I were walking around Comic Con panicking about the site, but we're also super excited because they showed a teaser that to this day might be the greatest teaser I've ever seen. Yes, it's just Batman yes. in that armor, and he's looking up and he flashes the bat signal. Then who's in the sky? Superman, and you get those red eyes and it's like jesus i gotta yeah. wait a year for this this is and, and t i'm getting chills talking about it so for whatever issues i have with this movie i still feel like it brought so much good and it showed the filmmaking genius that Zack snyder is but i do agree with jacqueline there, there are parts of it that need to be reeled in not necessarily the length of the film but just what you're showing in that storytelling yes, what you're trying to get done be, be, be sometimes not it's not a buffet Comics especially are not a buffet. There's too much out there. And if you fill up your plate, you're going to make yourself sick. And that's what this movie that's did. That's a great but tip for everyone. Once cruise ships come back, that's a great tip. They love to throw yes. the food at you. Stay away from the carbs. Don't get full too you know, early. Just, just, you know, do a little sampling. But look, I will say this for the for the DC fans. One, they are loyal and they love these movies and, and in a way that I don't think Marvel fans would have been as loyal. Like Marvel fans seem like they're that dude where it's like if you gain 10 pounds, he's 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 looking elsewhere. Yeah. You know so what I'm funny saying? You say that. Like, like, I mean, it really is like they are not sticking through the the thick and thin tough times. The fact you say that, like I just recently realized there's this hate online for Endgame. Yeah. Like this just vehement hate for Endgame. I'm like, what are you talking about? I mean, the they, like what? Yeah. Like, yeah, like DC right. fans are passionate and their passion is sometimes directed in ways that I wish they would seek elsewhere. However, I will give them this. They are so incredibly loyal to these characters and they just want to see them. I think they just want to see them doing anything. But for me, my relationship with DC is somebody like one of the very first comics I ever picked up was Death in the Family, uh, that, that Batman comic. I loved Batman, definitely animated shows, stayed with it. But when they started making the films, especially this last batch when I was a reporter, to me, Batman and DC really feels like the boyfriend who was great for the first like two years of your relationship. And then he oh, cheated on you and you just kept coming back because like he cheated on me with Batman and Robin. And I was like, we're done. But then he came back with the Dark Knight trilogy and I'm like, he loves me. And I know that we're going to be together. And then he slept with my sister when he gave us Suicide Squad. You know what I mean? Like it is just it is too back and such forth. such a good analogy. And it's just, I, I, but I you can't love him though. It. You love him. I do love him, but I'm just saying, man. Like I can't be with you. I love you, but I love me more. But I think, <laughs> I think, I think Pattinson's coming with a puppy at Christmas for you, though. Mm, I can't. Uh, I think he's with a puppy listen, at Christmas. Listen, listen. <laughs> he's coming with that puppy me, soon. If they get me back in there. I just want all of y'all to be the girlfriends of mine. That'll be like, I told you, I told you, I told you not to take him back. I told you not to take him back. When it's good, it's good. Jacqueline, come on, his parents murdered. He's mm -mm. he's got a butler. He's got a great. You can have a whole wing of Wayne Manor. You don't even need to I've see him. I've heard these lies before, Mark. Fool me once, fool me fifteen <laughs> times. Honestly, at this point. <laughs> I can tell you, when I saw that that Matt Reeves Batman trailer, I see Bob Pattinson, and I can call him Bob. And I <laughs> see a lot of Ben Affleck in that warehouse, Mike. Yeah. I see a yeah. lot of that attitude and I'm getting I'm getting revved up again. He might be he might be my boyfriend that keeps coming back into my life and teasing me, but I am it, it's about time to get teased again. Even even Batman and Robin, I still find stuff I love in the oh, film. Oh, here we go. The, this the is Clooney a whole and Alfred man. moments. The Clooney and Alfred moments, man, they're okay. great. 
those okay. those moments of the two of them together are awesome. Michael Guff, um, great Alfred. Great Alfred. I will see your Alfred and raise you an Alicia Silverstone. You got all me I there. Have to say. I got nothing to say to that. Uh, I got nothing. Before we get out of here, Mike. Uh, so, so what? I mean, obviously, you love it. Um, I do. You, you, you think this movie should be fresh, and I'm guessing all the Zack Snyder, Zack Snyder films, you pretty much feel the same way, yeah, and you I'm, are desperately excited for the Snyder cut. I'll tell you this, and I, I've talked about it, God, ad nauseum to people. I think people that love Snyder are going to love his four-hour cut. I think if you don't like Justice League, you don't, or you don't like BBS, you don't like Man of Steel. You're not going to like this four-hour cut, even if you know his entire vision. You're not going to like it. I don't think we're going to get more of Snyder. Uh, I'll say this: like, look at look. We talk about Batman. We've talked about X amount of films of his, and how many times we've seen it. How many times we see the pearls and the Martha moment it being shot? We every film is in it. I'm sure Pattinson will have it. But the fact that Snyder, if you watch that film and you watch. Um, uh, Jeffrey Dean Morgan at the beginning. He does something that no Thomas Wayne has ever done. He balls up his fist and starts charging the guy. So mm. the little things like that in Batman, in this film of why I love it, he takes what we know about Batman and flips the dynamic of it and gives it a fresh light. Like So little moments like that with, you know, Thomas Wayne was actively trying to save his wife's life and his son, whereas before it's like, oh, it's okay, here's some money. No, we're not going to hurt you. And this is a different Thomas Wayne. And it sets up a different Bruce Wayne. He goes later think- into the film where he's like, you know, the first generations of Waynes were hunters. That's what we did. Um, oh, yeah, so, yeah. I forgot I think- that line. I love yeah. I, th- th- that. Got hunters. Me. It, it, Jacqueline, it, 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 that's the line that, that Bruce gives to Alfred because they've, they've kind of been at odds the whole movie. And he's about to go take on Superman. And, and Bruce starts telling this story. And you're like, where are you going with this, B? We, we kind of got some stuff to do. And he gets to that point where it's like the Wayne started out as hunters and then just drops the mic. I, Jacqueline, I got bad news for you. I got really bad news for you. I think I'm getting to fresh with this now. There you oh go. God. There you go. Think Martha, I got more, champ. I got Martha, more for you. Do I need you. to whisper it to you in your sleep, Martha? Martha. I know, and they it's made tough the to plot rectify. Point of the entire movie, Martha. I apologize and to everyone. The character who, off of a douche. And, and I, <laughs> I think Martha is is a trash scene, but. I think Kalinowski has corrupted my soul just enough to get me to fresh. You give with this it up movie. so Mark, easily. Mark, I'm going to give another one for you, buddy. This, again, is now towards the end where we're talking to the film. And I think I've used this line over the past four years of our world of what we're dealing with right now, where Bruce says that, you know, he's like, men are still good. We fight, we kill, we betray one another, but we can rebuild, we can do better, we will, we have to. That line of Superman, what he taught him, it's like that sets up. You know, here's this man, and it speaks to us as people. Like, we are. We're terrible to each other. We kill each other. We fight. But we can be better. We have to be better. And, and we try, you know, and say what you will about a comic book movie, though they just fluff or whatever, but that's what pop. That's what culture is in movies and film. It, it speaks to who we are. It speaks as a, as a people of what we are. And in that moment, Bruce Wayne was all of us. He was, we are these evil, destructive people. We can be, but we're also these wonderful people that have such a capacity for good. And Superman is that. He's, you know, from Man of Steel, you know, people, you'll be a light to these people. They'll come to you. They'll walk in the sun with you. It's like, here's this moment. And again, Jack and I get it. The writing, I wish, I I don't have an answer. I don't know what could have made it better. Um... But I just see that, and, and, and I think that's why the film, there, there's just so much goodness to it. And I, I'll, when we're closing out, I'll say something about this film that I think will resonate for future. Um, I just think it, it was a different film that people weren't expecting. It wasn't a comic book strict adaptation, and I think people need to look at it maybe with a different lens, going, going, okay, this is not the comics brought to life what the MCU does. This is these superheroes through a different lens and maybe that gives people a different perspective. Wow. Well, you're going to make me one of these evil people because I'm going to just go ahead and say it. I didn't care for the lens or the framing <laughs> and you can, and you, and you can stab me in my cold dead heart, but I will not change my mind. I was so no, okay. no, get this man an editor and maybe there is a good movie. I will give you this. There is a good movie in there. Okay. But hey, we didn't get it. Okay, fair enough. Fair enough. <laughs> and I agree it. with you, Jack. And like you said earlier, like I, I'm with Mark. Like I can see, I'll sit through a five-hour Batman film. I will, you know. In this, and there are films. And I'll say this: this is not a film that I put on just to watch. Like Civil War, I'll throw that thing on, just have it on in the background. I'll turn like, oh, this is a great scene. I love this part. This is awesome. BVS, I don't come off of it feeling like great after the film. It's a dense film that 
I have to sit down and watch, but that's just the type of film it is to me. I want to thank you for that insight. And honestly, you did move me. Your words did move me. <laughs> if, the mo if the film moved me half as much as your words, I wouldn't dislike it so much. But Fair I enough. agree that Rotten Tomatoes is right. The movie is rotten, though I wish everyone <laughs> in it well. And I will be there on HBO Max to watch the Snyder Cut because I live in this world. Uh, Mike, I'm gonna, any, any final thoughts from you on the film? I mean, obviously, maybe telling people to watch it. Yes, I'm going to say this. I've said this many a times. Uh, it's a hill I'm going to die on forever. I get so much crap for it, but I also get a lot of love for it. I think this film, Batman vs. Superman, Ultimate Cut, Dawn of Justice, this is the Blade Runner of our generation. If you look at Blade Runner back in 80, you know, 82 or whatever, that film with its all its different cuts, people are watching that. They're like, what is this we're watching? What is this? I wanted Han Solo after Star Wars. I wanted space battles. And this is, what am I? Androids and a unicorn. What is this? Replicants. But look at that film now. A classic. So I'm saying 20, 30 years from now, after the different cuts are done or whatever, Batman vs. Superman will be looked at just as great as Blade Runner is. And it's it's the Blade Runner of our generation. I'm saying it right now. I've said it before. I'll die on this hill. That's a good... Yeah, I mean, you made my face do something funny, Mike, when you first dropped the Blade Runner, but... Look at how Blade Runner was looked at back it then. Makes it was sense a flop. It was a disaster. People walked in expecting Indiana Jones in a in the future, and they yeah. didn't get that. They got something very different. But you can go back and again, Blade Runner is not a movie you just put on on Saturday night for kicks while you're getting ready for your date. It's a movie you sit down and you watch, and it's dark and it's gloomy. I just hope Batman v Superman isn't such a harbinger of our future as Blade Runner was. Oh God, oh God. <laughs> but I'm going fresh. I I, Jacqueline, I am with the audience on this. Yeah, I'm not saying go, it's fully. I, I'm not saying it's it, it, it's got a. Per, I'm not certifying it as fresh in my mind, but I, I think that Batman v Superman, the Ultimate Edition, does enough to get me to fresh. The theatrical cut, just in the it's fresh adjacent, but this one I'm going to say is just over the uh, the line for fresh. It broke the plane. You sold out. You sold I might out have. For I'm fandom. wearing the goggles. <laughs> I, I look like Listen. Kurt Rambis. I'm just okay. It's okay. I I can I am comfortable enough in my skin having been a Rotten Tomatoes employee <laughs> for quite a bit now to go ahead and say I am okay with calling it uh rotten. Uh Mike, thank you so much for uh, my pleasure, chatting guys. with us thank today. So this much. was really fun. Before you get out of here, uh tell us what you have going on and where folks can find you online. Yes, uh, I'm at Mike Kalinowski. That's my Twitter handle. I had Mike Kalinowski underscore after my Twitter was frozen for whatever. But at Mike Kalinowski, that's my Twitter, my Instagram. I'm, I love Twitter. That's my, my social media platform of choice. I love interacting with people there. Currently on the SEN Network doing the Mandalorian review show every Friday morning at 930. We hit it fresh right away like that. Spoilers filled. Uh, I got a book I'm working on right now. I can't talk about it because the my publisher won't let me talk, release the title. But if anyone knows me and knows the movies and the movies I love, it's all on that kind of vein. And as soon as I can talk about that, I will get it out there and uh, let people know where they can find it and what it is. Mike, that's very exciting. Is there any truth to the rumor that your Twitter froze because you just kept defending the Martha scene over and over and over again? And Twitter's no. like, hey, we got we, we to we gotta let this guy cool off for a little bit. No, sir. It was a little, little more political than that. <laughs> little more political. I think it was the bots. I think Batman enlisted the bots. Oh, uh, Mike. Wow. Also, since you are a, a comic book aficionado and a movie aficionado, any anything you want to recommend to our audience for them to check out, watch movies? Yes. What do you think? Yeah, there's a great, great TV show that came out. Oh God, it's almost ten years ago. Called the called Human Target with Mark Valley. It's based on a DC Comics character. Uh, ran two seasons. It was a great show. It's available. It's on all the streaming platforms right now. It's in DC Universe and all their things. It's yeah. I think it's might be going to HBO Max soon. Uh, that's a great, great show. Uh, I'm trying to think of what else because I I like all the kind of popular stuff. I wish I gave you guys some like kind of niche thing that I'm watching right now. I'm rewatching no, Daredevil. Be yourself. Go, I'm rewatching Daredevil. That show is so damn good. Oh yeah. my god! I, what to know what happened with. The Netflix, Netflix Marvel stuff and what happened, why that didn't keep going is such a conundrum. But those shows are so damn good. Uh, Human Target, trying to think what else. Oh, Strike Back. If you guys like good action stuff. It's a little bit on the machismo side and a little kind of, you know. But if you're into good action stuff, uh, it's called Strike Back. It's five seasons. It was on Cinemax and now it's available on all kind of Amazon Prime and stuff like that. 
Liv. Thank you, yeah. Mike. It's a good Rex, Jacqueline. If you uh, if you kids out there enjoy the streaming, you know the movie we just talked about, Batman v Superman. You can get the ultimate cut. You can get the theatrical version. One I think is fresh. One I think is rotten. On Fandango now and Voodoo. Uh, you can follow me, Jacqueline, at Mark Ellis Live. And if you do so, you're probably going to see me talk about a show that I co-host called the Movie Trivia Schmodown. And if you check that out, you're probably going to come across a young man named Mike Kalinowski, who is <laughs> one of the most brilliant trivia minds I have ever come across in my many years, and I've seen them all, kids. This guy, it, you put him up there on the Mount Rushmore of people who know comic oh, book man. films inside and out. He rarely ever misses a question. And if he does, it's just a matter of his brain tooting at the wrong moment. And Mike, I think that for somebody like you who's had to study Batman v Superman so much and watch that movie on a loop to study for matches, it gives me that much more credence that, hey, if you rewatch a movie that much and you still fawn over it like you do, that, that speaks to me. That, that's, that's impressive filmmaking that it's got that rewatchability. So I'm happy to hear that. If I have to watch that film again, I don't mind it. It's when I have to get stuff like, you know, Ghost Rider Spirit of Vengeance. <laughs> Swamp Thing 2, when those kind of things happen and I have to rewatch those over and over again. I do it for the love of the Schmodown. I have love for the Swamp Thing television show. Oh, I was going to say, not the film, yeah. please. No, okay, the, the, no, the show, show is phenomenal. I have love for the television show. Mm, okay. uh, Mark, thank you so much. Again, always, you folks can find me on every social media platform at that Jacqueline, because I'm that girl that talks about movies. And you can hit us up at Rotten Tomatoes on all social medias, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. Let us know how we're doing. Share the podcast with your friends. And more importantly, please, whatever platform you're listening to this, um, Please like and subscribe. Let other folks know about it. And as I said before, this episode was actually given to us by a fan. I want to again thank you folks for sending so much information to our inbox because that is how we determine what we're going to do next. And you can always email us at rtiswrong at rottentomatoes.com. Lucy is here to listen to your requests. But Mark... We have some fun in store for next week, right? Oh, boy, do we. And uh, thanks to superfan Joseph Plunkett for this recommendation. Didn't need a fan to recommend this next one, although I'm sure a lot did. And inspired by Mike Kalinowski's passionate defense of a movie he loves, I get to step up. I don't know if I'll be alone, but we are talking about Star Wars Episode Nine: The Rise of Skywalker. Woo! I have feelings on this movie, and I cannot wait to share them with the world. So, yes, if you would like to see Mark get all up in his feelings next week, because I have planned to put him there. That's shade a little bit of believe. foreshadowing as to what's going to happen next week. A little Jackson? bit of foreshadowing. <laughs> um, this might be where we finally see a little little chink in the armor between me and the dynamic Ooh. duo that is Mark Ellis. Okay. Um, words will Robin be said. Fighting. Words will be said. Uh, again, <laughs> thank you guys. Thanks, Mike. Thanks, Lucy. Tim, Mark Hoffmeyer, of course, my partner in crime and all fun things, Mr. Mark Ellis. I'm Jacqueline Coley. Thank you, folks, for listening to Rotten Tomatoes is Wrong, and we'll see you guys next time. 